0: some water right yeah i am so so i had a message prepared i went to somerset west this morning uh their community went with us that side actually and you know it's it's a scary thing sometimes following god because in and i I was thinking of preaching more or less the same message and i prayed to change it a little bit it was something that i prepared in the week and then just in worship thank you In worship, I just felt God leading me in a different direction. And that's quite scary, actually, because this might be either the worst or the shortest preach you've ever heard, which is fine. (laughs) But I just felt God laying a few things on my heart. So maybe tonight is a little bit more, I don't know if you want to call it a prophetic message or something that I felt God laying on my heart for us right now. Um, But it's something that I feel out of obedience to share with us tonight. So if it goes south blame god or blame me not hearing god or something I'm not sure what you want to blame but i also don't know what what to call it really it's just something a sense that i have in my eyes. let me just take a sip so i've told the the sound people to to actually just leave the leave the sound off let's just go on as normal even if there's a response time at the end let's just leave it as is and I think actually it's it sort of does fits in with what I feel God is laying on my on my heart tonight, because you know you know sometimes you you meet people and from the out, from an outward perspective they look successful and it looks like they've got everything together, but I'm sure if you stand in that person's uh, in that person's shoes you will know that mostly they don't know what they're doing actually. It's like parenting. From outside it looks like you know what you're doing actually. The entire time, you don't know what you're doing. You're just basically hoping that you're getting some things right. And I've often wondered with with the church and with Stannis PM and leading this church. It's been it's been an absolute privilege, really. It's been an amazing privilege, and you guys have made it a privilege, really. As Paul says as, says to to Timothy, I think I might have it incorrect here, but that you are my letter letter of recommendation. Paul speaks of people as his letter of recommendation, so really in a big sense, you guys have been, you guys are like my CV one day if I go somewhere. <laughs> I'll be like, this is the CV, God. This is this is the work that you've been using me and the other elders. This is These are the people. I'm not going to say which building we used. I'm not going to say which songs we sang. I'm not going to say how many communities or how many people we had. Really, a large measure of success, I believe, in the kingdom of God is, is the people and our people are seeking God and the work that's happened in people's lives. <clears throat> and so... It really has been a massive privilege leading you guys and just seeing how people have come through. And that's been inspired. It's inspired me. It's it's helped me to follow God more because I look at some of you and I spend time with you and I feel like a lukewarm Christian. And I just think some of you are really amazing people following the Lord, feel like you're following the Lord better than I am. And and that's wonderful actually to have people like that that I can surround myself with. But one of the big questions that you ask yourself with just to get back to my first thought, is I think sometimes, and I could be wrong, it could, when you guys look at me, it could look like I have no clue what I'm doing. But I'm hoping there's some semblance of like, I look in control. But, I, <laughs> but behind the scenes, I can tell you, I don't always feel in control. And I don't always really feel like I know what I'm doing. And, and as an eldership team, I know that we don't always know what we're doing. We're trying to fumble our way through this thing called church, through this thing called Christianity, to give God a beautiful bride one day. But we don't always have all the answers. And much of my time is sort of deliberating what I should do and where God is. And that's quite difficult, actually. Because the one thing that I'm really mindful of is that one day, when I get to heaven, when I stand before God, and when you get to heaven, and when you stand before God, God is going to look at the work of your life. He's going to look at the ministry that you were part of. And and I'm not talking about full-time ministry, but that which you did in this life for Him. He's going to look at those things and he's going to... The Bible says he's going to taste it by fire. And he's going to look at the quality of each person's work. And he's going to see whether it is pure or whether it is not pure. And when it comes to church, I think it's... I'm going to quote scripture is sort of off and it's somewhere in the Bible. Jesus never said where it was in the Bible. When he quoted to Satan he just said the Bible says. <laughs> 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 so tonight I might do a lot of that. I'll just say the Bible says. <laughs> but I believe it's in First Corinthians 2 or First Corinthians 3 um, the Bible teaches us that with churches specifically uh, it's, it's Paul speaking and then he's, he's, he's saying that he has this revelation that One day God is going to come and the churches that he's built and the people have been a part of the ministry that that was Paul's life. God is going to come by fire one day when that church, when those people stand before God and he's going to test on what it was built. Was it built with pure uh, minerals uh, like with gold or was it built with straw and hay, things that will burn up? And that means that in a church there are areas that are straw and age. That actually means that. And so as a church leader, you have to actually, and that's why I feel like I don't know what I'm doing many times, because I'm like, God, I think when, when we as a church stand before you one day and you test the, you come with your refining fire and you put it to this church, what are you actually going to see? What are the things that are going to burn away and you say, you're going to say to me and to us as a church, that was fluff? Sure. You made it important; it wasn't important. You mined it on some majors and you majored on some minors. I'm telling you, God is going to say that to us. And a lot of what we're trying to do is figure out, like God, how do we not do that? How do we give you something pure one day? How do we give you a church that is pleasing to you? That when you test it, it's not built on human systems. It's not built on what built on what we think is good and what worldly systems work. It's not built on a business management model. Those things are not going to stand before God. What he wants, I really believe, is he, the church consists of people. And so he's not looking at a structure. He's not going to say, well, you guys had quite a nice building. That was good. He's not going to say that. He's not going to say, well, your, your structures were put in place really well. He's not going to say, well, oh, your worship leaders, they had good voices. He's not going to say those things. He's not going to say the the, the AV was just brilliant and... The sound and the the electricity, you sorted that out really well. He's not going to say those things. Those are not the things that God is looking for. It shouldn't be the things that you look for in a church and that you strive for in life. He's going to look at people because the church consists out of people and not structures. He's going to say, how much do those people love me? How much are their lives laid down for me? That's the church. Put us together collectively. What does God see? Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? How much faith is in this room? How much of of our thinking of Christianity is actually rooted in lives laid down completely for God? In faith and not on just the things that we think are good because that's what cool church is like. We're going to be tested by fire. And guys, to be honest, I'm like, I'm really fearful because sometimes, and I know... We can be really hard on ourselves and many times I'm hard on myself because I look at the church and I look at worship or whatever's happening and I, I ask myself, God, yo, when these things get stripped away, what really stands? When the fluff of church gets stripped away, sound. when that gets stripped away, what's really in our hearts and my heart? Very good. How much of the external structures are carrying us forward and making us look successful, we're actually, if that is burnt away, we're actually not a successful church? Yeah. How much are we relying on our, our WhatsApp groups and motivation and like getting people motivated? Hey, you have to go to a conference, it's going to be amazing, you're going to meet your wife there. How much of, <laughs> like how much of those things are we relying on? Because those things will be burnt away. And evenings like tonight, I actually felt this before the power started tripping up. But we really actually feel like how much of tonight is actually prophetic in us in a sense. If things get taken away that are carrying you in your relationship with God, what is in your heart? What is in your heart? Are you rooted in Christ? Are we as a church truly rooted in Christ? Very good. We can grow. We've been growing. That's really... God's not counting numbers. He's counting people with hearts devoted to Him. That's what He's counting. I can't tell you. I can tell you more or less how many people we are on this Sunday. I can't tell you how many people are really going for God. I can't. But that's what God counts. And so we should realign our lives to say our mission as a church, our mission as a Christian is to be rooted in Christ. Maybe that's a title for tonight. (laughs) To truly be rooted in Christ. And that's what we should give ourselves towards as a church. And actually, you know, sometimes I, I, I wish that the, the longer we go, the more slick things become, in a sense. We've got amazing deacons, and they've been, like, doing so many things, and people serving in the church, and normally things just work really well. You walk in here, and it's easy to have your Christian experience. It's easy for the fluff. Hear me out. It's not bad. Like, sound helps us. AV helps us. People welcoming you, those things are important, but, but, but it really, we must ask ourselves how much of that is actually carrying us because the longer we go, the more professional we can become as a church. Mm. And people know what to do. I know how to greet a visitor. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know how to worship, how to lift my hands that it looks like I'm seeking God. Yeah. We know how to play the right songs, start with the right songs, when to do a fast song, when to do a slow song to get people engaging. But actually, I'm scared that the longer we go, the bigger we become as a church, that we miss something of truly being rooted in Christ, truly being people with lives laid down for God. And I think it's, it's really something that you can so easily fall into as a church. Getting a church to grow, you focus on the fluff. People come for the fluff. People will come for the fluff. Make it nice. Make it palatable. <coughs> We, and I'm, I'm so scared, and I'm, I'm being so honest with you, that I think at times those things are creeping into us a little bit. And I'm really scared of that. Really scared, because this church can be successful by human metrics. And people around town can say, wow, you, we hear you guys are growing so quickly. We went to Somerset West this morning. Oh, aren't you guys the quickest growing uh, Josh Gene? And I want to run away from conversations like that, because that is, it's so wrong. It's so wrong because that's been judging by human standards. But God doesn't judge like that. God doesn't care how many people we've got bums on seats on a Sunday. God cares on how, about how many hearts are on fire for Him. Yes. Yeah. How many people are rooting it, themselves in Him. How many people are really seeking Him. He doesn't care about the numbers in that sense. That people care about it. So if we're going to measure by human metrics... We can look like we have a successful church, but you get what I'm saying? It doesn't necessarily mean that we are successful in the eyes of God. And in our own Christianity, to people outside, you could look like a really successful Christian. It's my biggest fear, guys. I think sometimes people look at me and they think you're an elder and you lead a church. You must be so rooted in Christ. And you know, many times I'm not. Many times I'm not as rooted in Him as I should be. Many times I forget and I stray away and I get caught up in the fluff. Get caught up in charismatic religion is what what I called it this morning. But I do all the right things on the outside, but in my heart. Somewhere along the line, I lose my passion for God. I lose my being rooted in God. We actually can't. No, there's a, a girl, she's not here. I don't know if you have met Zia. Any of you, Okay. I think she's at the 6 p.m. service. That's actually crazy that we, we don't even know each other anymore, which is interesting. Which it's, I mean, it's not judgment. It's just happening. It does get to that point where we're too many people for everyone to know one another. Such a cool story, actually. I met her at our family visit last week, and she... Uh, she's joined. The, she joined the church about a month ago. How I met her is sometimes when we've got a poo nappy, I love to take the poo nappy, wrap it up, and put it in someone's bag. <laughs> it's just something I like to do. <laughs> so, <I'm kind> of... <laughs> so there were a bunch of Josh Jenners and I had a poo nappy, and I said, I'm just going to put it in a bag. And afterwards, it was her bag, and I'm like, oh, shuck she's too new in church. It's not going be... <laughs> to so be funny. So I met her, and we chatted a little bit. <laughs> And she told me, she, she told me her story. There's the story, right? She, um, she came to Josh Tien a month ago for the first time. She, uh, she comes from a Methodist church. And so she was raised Methodist. She moved from Joburg, I think, came here. And then she just Googled Methodist Church Stellenbosch, And then on the names that popped up, this church, the Presbyterian Church, United Church, <laughs> <laughs> popped up. And it was a Sunday evening and she thought, let me just walk from my res and go see where this church is so that next Sunday morning I can go to the church. And so she walks past here and she comes to the service and it's load shedding, so it's pitch black dark, but she sees people are singing in here or hears people singing and it looks like something's going on in here. And she walks into the service and I think it was about a month or six weeks ago we had load shedding in the service. Again, we couldn't rely on anything actually. We didn't have power. There was no lights in it. it was the 6 p.m. service. It was dark. People had to pull out their phone torches, and we had to worship like that. We did a cappella worship, actually. And she walked in, and she was like, she said she was blown away. She she doesn't know this type of church. It's really charismatic. She's not used to it. But she felt the love of God through the people that welcomed her. I want to say well, it's the 6 p.m., guys, but it's sort of with you guys. Eh? So well done, 6 p.m., with you guys, too. <laughs> But people welcomed her, loved her, she saw the worship, and she saw that people had a passion for God and they were worshipping God, even with no sound and that blew her away, with no electricity, people were still going for it in God. Yeah. And she joined us, the baptism service two weeks ago, she was baptised, she slotted into a community, she's growing in the Lord, what an incredible testimony, eh? She didn't join because of fluff. She didn't join because of that. She joined because of a genuine love for people for, that people had for her. She joined because she saw the hunger of people. She saw people rooted in Christ. She didn't see the Josh Jen brand and that drew her. No. It's not what drew her. And we need to run away really far from that. Josh Jen is just a name. We can throw it out at any time. It doesn't matter. The name Josh Jen doesn't really matter. I'm saying this because I know Andrew would say this too, so I'm not like being a rogue pastor here. (laughs) It's just a a name to distinguish us, but that's not the point. That's not church. It's not like we put our slogan in front of us and this is the type of church we are now. We brand ourselves well and we, we get the perfect website. Those things don't matter. That's not what drew her. What drew her is people with a love for God. She saw something. She tasted something. And I want to ask us, can we please never depart from that place? Yeah. Yes. Can we never become so professional that we think professionality is going to catch people? A brand is going to catch people. No. It's Jesus. It's people with a passion for Him. That's what's really important. And so I actually think in many ways we're doing well. I like think in many ways when God comes with His fire, there are areas, Zia says when He gives me hope that something we're getting right, at least. Might not be getting everything right, but something we're getting right. We do have people... But the question for all of us is, where are you? Why are you here? And it's okay maybe to come for the wrong reasons, but you can't stay for the wrong reasons. It's okay to come because your friends are here, or your girlfriend, or your boyfriend, or friends invited you. But at some point, you need to be properly rooted in Christ for yourself. At some point, the fluff, I hope you understand what I mean when I say the fluff. (laughs) But our external structures can't carry you. At some point, you need to devote yourself to God. At some point, you need to say, I want to do this thing, not because it's expected of me, but because I want to be rooted in Christ and give myself to Him. And if all of us do that, then we are going to be rooted in God like we should be. It's a genuine concern for me. It's only when we are in God. You know, there's this um, there's this debate within Christianity and it's it's called the law if you if you've been a Christian for a long time and you like theology, then people start talking about this Calvinism versus Arminianism. And so the debate goes something like this, and I'll I'll say how it fits into what I'd like to say now. The debate goes something like this. Calvinism it's two, it's two hypers basically. Calvinism says it's only God. It's only God that says to you, you have no say in the matter. Even though you raised your hand, basically God forced your hand to go up. That's basically the extreme point of it. We like, in the extreme forms, it's, it's like we are puppets in a sense. And you don't even, you have no say in the matter. You don't have free will, basically. God controls everything in the extreme form. On the other side of Minionism in the extreme form is, it's all me. I decided to follow God. I'm doing this thing right. Um... And many times I'm, I'm still confused. I've been debating this thing for many years, and I can see both areas in Scripture, actually, and I can see, I can see merit for both. But I um, just want to tell you quickly, when, when I got saved and when you got saved, it was only God. It was only God that saved you. It wasn't fluff that saved you. Maybe that's my message title. <laughs> it's not the fluff. I don't know what you should <laughs> It's not the fluff that saved you. It's not the camp that saved you. It's not the very cool altar call that saved you. And it stirred your heart and you put up your hand. It's not the friend that brought you to church that saved you. It's not your decision to put up your hand and make a commitment to Christ. It's not that what saved you. Actually, it's, it's only God that saved you. You might have said, God, please save me. But from there, that's it. It's like basically... All of us, the Bible says that all of us have gone astray. All of us fall short of the glory of God. None of us are truly seeking God. And so what we are, oh, we we're like in a big ocean, freezing ocean, drowning. That's what the Bible actually says that we are as, as people, just people across the world. And so what God does is, it's, I, I forget this word always, buoy. Is that right? No. Buoy. Okay. God throws, the, throws out a buoy. Oh, shucks. See you. See, you English people are yelling yeah, at a boy. Do I say that? A live boy. Okay. A live boy? We in South Africa. Okay. God throws out a boy. A live boy. That's. That. Why are you laughing? It's not funny. We haven't said Am I right? You've <right, right. laughs> um, seen <laughs> huh? A live boy. Okay. <laughs> God throws out like a type of rubber ducky and, um, and you might grab onto it but never in your life can you say I grabbed onto the rubber ducky <laughs> like you can't say that if God didn't throw it out to you if he wasn't the one pulling it in maybe you did like your little bit like you grabbed on like I said please God save me but that's nothing that's nothing it's only God it is only God And that's where our Christianity starts. I know for me, I can debate about it. But if I look at my salvation testimony, there are things that led up to it. But in all honesty, I'm like, God's hands were just all over it. And He got things to a point and He saved me. And I almost feel like I had no choice in the matter. Can't justify that theologically always. But I really feel like it was God that did it. And I'm like, wow, God saved me. Thank you. I don't even feel like I did anything. But what we do in our Christianity is we start there. And you should start there. If you, if you haven't started there, if you haven't realized that all of your Christianity, that your relationship with God actually started not by you doing anything. Listen to me. Nothing. Bible says you are dead in your sin and trespasses. A dead person can't do anything. God resurrected you from the grave. It's a miracle. Salvation is a miracle. It's not like, yeah, I want to be a better Christian, a better person. That's not. If he didn't. If you didn't start by the, at the place where you say it is all God, then you didn't start at all. Yeah. It yeah. needs to be like God, nothing. Big. You need to save me. Please, I am dead. Resurrect me. Yeah. That's salvation. But what we end up doing from there is we start there, and then as we walk our Christian journey, we start in the spirit, but we try, as the Bible says in Galatians 3.3, 3, we try and perfect in the flesh. We forget that it was a miracle that saved us, saved us. We forget that it's a miracle that sustains us and it's a miracle that carries us forward. We start taking things on our own hands. In our own power. We forget that it started off as a miracle. Galatians 3.3. 3, does someone have a Bible? I don't. Here's a Bible. Um, I, I didn't write all the scriptures down. No, Galatians, Ephesians, like right here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Galatians 3 verse 3, if I'm not mistaken. Paul looks at the, at the Galatians. I don't know what translation this is, NIV. So, in, um, in some translations, anyway, it says, Paul says to the Galatians, he says, Are you so foolish? After beginning in the Spirit, are you now, now trying to attain your goal by human effort? In some translations, it says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Yeah. Starting in the Spirit, are you now trying to perfect in the flesh? Yeah. But this says it actually really well. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, how did your salvation start? That's fine. With the Spirit. It wasn't you. It was pure. And I think that's what I have in my heart. It's like just pure Christianity. It's none of the extra things. It's not like I went to church. I did this. No, it's it's... By the Spirit that you got saved. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? We so quickly, you move into human effort. Might I just remind us this evening, it didn't start by human effort. It started by the Spirit. Mm. It can't carry on in human effort. No, very good. In our church... Man, our church life, church consists out of dead people who are resurrected and somehow are living for God. That's a miracle. Mm. It's by the Spirit that church exists in its purest form. That's what it should be. It should be a miracle. This thing that we see should be a walking miracle. But somehow in our foolishness, we get bewitched and we think we're going to do it in our strength. We're going to do it in our power. We can have the right guys up front that are going to make us successful. No, that's not true. In your Christianity, in your walk with God, it starts off the, as, as just in the spirit, and then how quickly do we move in a place where we just start doing our own thing? Mm. A quiet time, yeah, I'll do it. It's the right thing to do. Mm. Speaking to someone about Jesus, I know I should, so I'll maybe do it now and then. <laughs> Reading my Bible, I do it in my own strength. I want to understand in my own strength. I want to gain knowledge. No. No, no, no. Cannot be that. Everything is by the Spirit. Everything is a miracle of the Spirit. Understanding Scripture is a miracle. Leading someone to the Lord, it's a miracle. Worshipping God, you standing here, being able to lift up your hands unashamedly, connecting with God, it's a miracle. Let's not forget the miracle. Let's not move to the flesh where we're just doing things, but we forget that everything in our relationship with God is supposed to be a miracle in Christ. It's like the pure and simple gospel. It's the pure and simple Christianity that we're after and that I move away from so many times. I complicate it unnecessarily. It's walking by the Spirit. It's being reliant on Him. It's just saying, God... You are the one that does these things. Please let me never forget and do things in my own strength. Um, See, what we we end up doing is we move from from God's righteousness, which is how we get saved, and then we start operating in self-righteousness. Those are the two two words. Now, Bible again. Ephesians... (laughs) If you want, I should have kept it open there. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10. I just want to take you to that quickly. If you've got your own Bible, you can open it up or you can just listen. Um, Ephesians 2 verse verse 8 to 10. So, I I want to get this lesson into us that that we just go back to relying fully on God and living from a place of a, a walking miracle actually <laughs> from a place of knowing that it's God that did all of this in us so I'm going to read all of it and then we'll go through it bit by bit it says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this, this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God what are we saying again? Uh, okay I'm going to go through it bit by bit we, we say again exactly like Galatians 3 verse 3 said that your salvation it is a gift from God a gift is not something that you paid for A gift is something that you had no hand in, supposed to be. That's what a gift is supposed to be. It's something that I didn't ask for if it was given to me. It wasn't by my merit. It wasn't by my money. It wasn't by my effort. It was just given to me. Now it says salvation is like that. That's what Paul was saying. It starts in the Spirit. It's a free gift. Jesus dies on a cross. He doesn't have to. He's perfect. But he takes the sin of the world upon him and he says, I take my sin, your sin and place it on me. I take my righteousness because I live the perfect life. And if you are willing to trust in me, I'm willing to put my righteousness on you and take your sin upon me. It's a beautiful exchange. That's what he's, that's what he's able to do. And so it starts there. That's what it's supposed to be. But many of us, we, we've, anyway, Okay. Um, not by works so that no one can boast we can't boast in our salvation for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works so he's saying no good works can bring you to a point of salvation because then you would have been able to boast but now that you are now that you are walking in salvation now good works follow from there which God prepared in advance for us to do so here's the picture It is a gift that leads you to salvation, and from salvation, good works flow. If you flip that thing around, you are wrong. If anything in you, and and this is not only in your salvation, but in your walk with God, if anything in you says, I need to do good works to attain salvation, you've got it the wrong way around. It says, no, I receive salvation freely, and then I do good works out of that place. And that is what Christianity should say, but we flip that thing, and that mindset gets in us so quickly. I come into worship, I need to do a couple of things before I can come into the presence of God. That is self-righteousness. You think that it is works that will lead to God. No, it is God, and out of God, good works flow. The one is dead works and the one is good works. There's a big difference. And I want you to identify tonight maybe where there are dead works in you. The only reason that we can come into the presence of God is because Jesus died on a cross for us. Yeah. And He gives it to us freely. He gives it as a gift. We can start in His presence. We don't work towards it. And it so quick, quickly slips in. Has it slipped into your relationship with God? Yeah. Yeah. Do you sometimes feel... Before I can pray for that person, I first need to go and sort out a few things in my own life. Dead works. Dead works. Before I can read my Bible, I first had to pray for 10 minutes. Dead works. Before I can pray, I first need to read two chapters in the Bible. Dead works. Dead works. How about Jesus forgave me therefore I can open up the Word and understand by the Spirit. How about Jesus forgave me supernaturally, therefore I can pray and be accepted, not because I did anything right, but I can come like this into His presence, not like this. That's what we should be as Christians. We should live from a place of being in Christ, not work towards being in Christ. Now many times you have a conversation with someone that needs to get baptized, and they say, ah, "I just need to sort out a few things in my life first before I get baptized." That is symptomatic of a wrong understanding of salvation. It's symptomatic of dead works. I need to do a few things. then I'll get salvation. No, You come freely with your mess before God, and you bring your mess and you say, "Thank you that God, you will walk with my mess." That's how we're supposed to live so i come and i pray i'm not perfect i don't feel perfect i come not by the blood of jesus i come with my mess and i bring my mess to god i don't sort out my mess and then come to god i take my mess to him does that make sense we we cannot get caught up in all of these side shows it's the pure and simple gospel you're received in christ Received in Christ, it's keep it there at the center, I don't even know how much this is making sense, but Isaiah sixty-four verse six. If I also, if I'm not mistaken, it says that those dead works. If we think that there are things that we need to do to be able to stand before God, to earn our place to stand before God, <coughs> if we're too focused on the, on those things, it, it actually says that God sees those dead works. It's apparently I, I don't understand the Hebrew myself, but. Apparently, it says that those things are like those works are like filthy rags. God detests it. Now apparently, in the original languages, it says it's like a menstrual cloth. God doesn't want it. It's something that you throw away. And so, we should be so careful of thinking in ourselves that we can do something to add to the salvation that God has given us. Yeah, very good. We can do something. If I just do this, then I'm allowed in God's presence. Yeah. Am I saying we should sin? No, obviously we shouldn't sin. We shouldn't be stupid. Obviously we shouldn't repent of our sins. Yes, obviously. But we repent with God. We come, we come into God's presence and then we repent. We don't repent to come into His presence. I'm like, God, as I'm in Your presence, I'm so sorry for the stupid things. Because isn't it like that, that when you see Him, everything just comes into balance? Yeah. When you're in his presence, like then I know the stupid so all of a sudden I'm aware of the stupid things that I've done, but not in a in a condemnation sense, but in a conviction sense. Not in like a, oh woe is me, now I can't pray, that's the devil. But in like oh God, now that I'm in your presence, Lord, thank you that your grace is so big that you forgive even this. Yeah. It's it's victory. It's a different type of repentance. You get what I'm saying, right? eh? Very, Very good It's different repentance. Yes. The One repentance leads me away from God. I cower away from God. The other one leads me closer to God. Mm. So that was a few things. But we we need to be rooted in God. We need to remember that it's by grace that we stand here. We need to cut the sideshows and not make church about the sideshows. We need to cut the sideshows and not make our relationship with God about the sideshows. Purely, get back to a place where we love God. Get back to a place where we are just devoted to Him. Get back to a place where we stop letting all of these thoughts of condemnation that the devil puts on us, the accuser of the brothers is what the Bible calls the devil, that he puts in our minds that we are not allowed to, to get to God. Cut all of those things And can we just simply and purely come before God because we are rooted in Him? Mm. Say, God, thank you for access to you. Thank you that I can come before you because if we do that, then we will be a church that pleases God. So I can can count the amount of people in here. I cannot count the amount of people with their hearts who are truly rooted in God. Can't count that. That's something that you have to come before God. And you have to keep bringing yourself back to that place where you're not operating in the flesh not operating out of dead words but we are just like enrooted in Christ yeah hmm. can we like okay, let's let's end let's let's stand